You're tuned to WFHB. Volunteer-powered, listener-supported, Community Radio for South Central Indiana. Good afternoon. Reporting remotely for WFHB, this is Benedict Jones. And I'm Lucinda Larnock. This is the WFHB Local News 4, Thursday, March 3rd, 2022. Later in the program, WFHB correspondent Shade Ajishigiri reports on recent local protests over Russia's invasion of Ukraine. More in the bottom half of our program. Also coming up in the next half hour, one week ago, Bloomington Mayor John Hamilton gave his seventh annual State of the City address. That's coming up in your local headlines. At the Bloomington Parks and Recreation Board meeting on February 22nd, city landscaper Joanna Sparks presented a contract with Ecologic for vegetation management at Switchyard Park. This um, contract is for um, management of over 19.7 acres of reforestation, mostly in riparian zones. Um, It includes maintenance of native plants and trees that have been installed during the construction process as well as extensive ongoing invasive plant management. Um, this will be the fifth year that um, of consistent management at the Switchyard. Um, so we're seeing some really um, wonderful improvements and the, the native plantings are really starting to take hold and um, we're eager to, um, I, I am especially eager to see um, how a lot of the forbs, um, the flowers and the native grasses do this year. They should be um, big enough that we ought to have a really nice show in in some of those um, more open areas, hopefully around the wetland basin. So this contract is um, not to exceed the amount of $32,650. And I would be happy to answer any questions you have. President of the board, Kathleen Mills, asked if the management of invasive plants is an ongoing task that could presumably go on forever or one that has an end date. Sparks replied, saying that invasive species removal is an indefinite task, but that the amount of maintenance needed should decrease after the native plants are more established. Oh, well, in a, in a, in a utopian society, yes, we would never have to manage invasive species. We would come in a couple times and that would that would be it. But unfortunately, just the the magnitude of, of the the presence of invasive plant species throughout our community. Um, the, the seed bank keeps being replenished. So to say um, the birds coming to utilize the wonderful habitat at Switchard bring along um, unwanted non-native seeds. So we do hope that um, in within a few years that we should be able to manage it in-house, but with the construction and all the disruption, um, Lots and lots of um, seeds have been allowed to um, um, have been disturbed, thus they're they're germinating. And um, so we do just we seem to um, as part of the construction process, we hit sort of a a critical mass level of um, seed germination of invasives. So it it is, you know, it is highly likely that year three to five in management, um, the invasive numbers start start to go down. We are um, thankfully 
change sort of shifting the focus not so much from woody invasives like asian bush honeysuckle and tree of heaven into more um annual and biennial and perennial forbs and grasses japanese silk grass is a big one we have yeah that's sort of an ongoing thing that some some non-native invasive seeds can can last in the soil for decades so it just yeah we just it will we constantly be monitoring, but, but the goal is that our management um, time is dramatically reduced. The board approved the contract with Ecologic unanimously. The board also approved a contract with Davy Resource Group for the Bicentennial Bond Tree Project. Urban forester Aaron Hatch presented the contract to the board. This contract is again for planting of trees along with two additional site visits. Um, one for kind of uh, checking on survivorship and adjusting of hardware and one for pruning and for up to 304 trees. Uh, this went through an RFP process and we had uh, two bidders on this and Davey was the winning bid. This would be for the 304 trees, a contract not to exceed $182,096 funded from the Bicentennial Bond Series C. And I believe that is about $599 and some change per tree. The next board meeting will be held on March 22nd. The Monroe County Personnel Administration Committee met briefly on February 21st to discuss how the committee will proceed when meetings return in person. Council Administrator Kim Shell explained what the guidelines are for when the meetings resume in the building. As uh, we anticipate moving forward with uh, in-person meetings, uh, the uh, PAC group needs to approve uh, electronic attendance, and this allows uh, members um, to uh, attend um, electronically, uh, but a quorum has to be present in person. But this also allows staff members to attend virtually as well as the public. So this is just in, in anticipation of what's uh, ahead in March. Councilmember Marty Hawk stated her preference for the committee meetings to be held at noon while staff members are already at work. Yes, I would like to suggest that since we plan to meet at noon when our staff should already be uh, in the building, uh, that we uh, make it clear that staff needs to be there, as well as any department head that wants to make a presentation for a request. Um, I understand that there are some members of the uh, PAC that might have to be traveling from time to time. And if they would like to be virtually, if we're allowed to do that, um, that would be my preference, as well as the public could listen in. Not so certain that we are required to accept uh, public comment from those that are not in attendance, but that would be up to the majority of how we want to do this. But I would like for us to continue to do it at noon and be able to uh, take care of county business without doing overtime for staff. The committee approved the electronic attendance policy for public meetings. The next personnel administration committee will be held next month.
The Bloomington Redevelopment Commission discussed the development of IU Health Bloomington Legacy Hospital site at the February 21st meeting. Project Manager Deb Kuntz gave an update on the site's redevelopment. So I think it's been some time since there's been an update on the high school site redevelopment. Um, so we thought we would just um, go back just for a little bit uh, and talk through the sort of just an overview of the redevelopment. I know there's probably different updates that happened throughout the year. Um, there's obviously been a, a big focus on the phase one east, which was always our plan. And uh, a little bit on the core building or focus on the core building as well. But the core building update will come in the future. We're not quite ready for that. And then ultimately just summarize, uh, summarize the project review update that is in front of you. Um, so I uh, included in here just a recap of the master plan in terms of what the future development really looks like in terms of um, mid-rise, low-rise, you know, single-family dwellings, you know, what that sort of future state really looks like, because I think that's important to always keep the future in mind, especially as you're building new infrastructure at the beginning. Sometimes it's kind of hard to swallow, you know, making that kind of investment. But what this does is really gets you to your goal and your uh, emphasis to improve the affordable housing and give other housing opportunities, in particular and other retail opportunities here in this redevelopment area. The redevelopment process is ongoing. The commission agreed to discuss more updates in the future. The next meeting will be held on March 7th. Bloomington Mayor John Hamilton gave his seventh annual State of the City address last Thursday at the Buzzcut Chumley Theatre. To start off the speech, Mayor Hamilton offered a moment of silence for Ukrainian residents who are facing Russian invasion. I do want to just take a moment. Some of us are wearing this lapel flag to reflect uh, on what happened today across the ocean in Europe, uh, the unprovoked, unjustified, premeditated war ruthless, barbaric attack. It's a terrible tragedy, uh, something not seen in Europe since World War II. Uh, we, we stand uh, with great sadness watching what's happening. Uh, we have Ukrainians in our own community and all of us together uh, are, are sending our best wishes, uh, our uh, sadness, uh, but also our, our best hope for resolve, and for justice. Uh, and I'll just take, let's just take a moment and think about our brothers and sisters in Ukraine, and then we'll turn to our, our attention tonight. Nearly two years into the pandemic, the Monroe County mask mandate is set to expire on Friday, March 4th. During the State of the City, Hamilton reflected on the pandemic, saying he's, quote, hopeful, despite not knowing whether we've seen the worst for COVID-19. It's worth mentioning maybe the word exhaustion. Uh, there's some physical exhaustion. There's certainly some mental exhaustion dealing with two years of crisis and diversions and divisions as well. It's exhausting. But our community, with an emphasis on listening to science, took steps. We masked. We had the only mandate in the state for quite some time. We vaccinated. We're keeping our gatherings. We were keeping them smaller. And we believe these made a big difference. Our community has had among the very best, if not the best record in Indiana navigating this. Our health system was stretched, but did not break, nor did our community. We did this together. 
with the vaccinations and masks and resilience and collaboration, and we saved lives and livelihoods. Now, we don't know the coming trajectory of this pandemic. It has fooled us before, but we will celebrate victories where we can. Tonight, we are hopeful, and tonight we will look beyond the pandemic. Hamilton touted the economy of the city, pointing to new hospital site and investments made by Catalan in the last year. So in that context, last year, 2021, progress accelerated. Catalant grew from its 800 original jobs to now more than 3,000 and produced life-saving COVID-19 vaccines for the world. We uh, attracted millions of dollars for a new companion building to the mill. We named Indiana's rising tech city. IU and IU Health opened the half-billion-dollar hospital and education complex to serve generations of future residents. The mayor also touched on housing, an issue on which he has faced backlash previously. According to the United States Census Bureau, the median gross rent of the city remains at $917 per month, with annual per capita income at nearly $24,000 per year. Census Bureau data shows the city's poverty rate at 35.3%, while the national average is 11.4%. According to the city's 2021 community survey published last summer, affordable housing ranked the third least liked aspect about the city of Bloomington. However, Mayor Hamilton says he hopes to expand affordable housing with the redevelopment of the old hospital site. Last year in 2021, we approved 1,900 units of housing, 280 of which will be long-term affordable. And we began activating Hopewell, another new downtown neighborhood at the former hospital site. According to the city, Hopewell will contain retail, residential, and office spaces with a, quote, range of affordable housing in the area, end quote. According to the master plan for the redevelopment of the site, the city pointed to public support for its inclusion of affordable housing units. Mayor Hamilton praised the City of Bloomington Council for a variety of perceived successes, including updates to the zoning code, the climate action plan, the Recover Forward budget and annexation. I want to thank specifically City Council for several major actions that you took last year. You updated our zoning code with the Unified Development Ordinance, embraced our first ever climate action plan, and implemented our major recover forward investments and a critical recovery budget for this year. And you enacted historic annexation ordinances to right-size our city after 20 years of inaction. I will note that this process continues as the county auditor released certain remonstrance numbers just yesterday, and they are under detailed city review even now. In January, the Monroe County Residents Against Annexation announced that they have enough petitions to successfully remonstrate. As the mayor outlined, a county auditor is currently counting the remonstration waivers. For WFHB, I'm Benedict Jones. And I'm Lucinda Larnock. Up next in our feature report, WFHB correspondent Shade Agashagiri reports on the recent local protests over Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Yesterday at noon, dozens of people again showed solidarity with the nation of Ukraine in their ongoing battle against Russia. 
IU students, professors, and Bloomington residents alike came together for the second time in the past two weeks to spread awareness of the Russian-instigated war in Ukraine, marching from the Showalter Fountain down to the Sample Gates, where blue and yellow flags flew high and clear voices sung the national anthem, Ukraine has not yet perished. Ani Abrahamyan, treasurer of the Ukrainian Studies Organization, the IU, responsible for organizing the protest, expressed her frustration at the territory conflicts preventing nations from claiming their sovereignty. I would just like to say it's not a conflict, it's an outright war. It uh, makes me feel very angry because many of the post-Soviet countries are still dealing with uh, territorial issues like this. And at this point, it's not uh, anymore a territorial issue, of course. Many of us are trying to uh, find our identity, to create our identity and a place for our culture in the world. And unfortunately, hegemons like Russia are trying to crush that time and again. So I'm very angry and I would like to say that this is not the first time that things like that are happening and uh, it certainly makes it much more difficult with each uh, subsequent war to deal emotionally and mentally with this. She feels that Bloomington residents are doing a good job in spreading awareness of the war. I think that people are actually doing a wonderful job consolidating powers and rallying together with our Ukrainian community, with Ukrainian community in Bloomington and at IU. So the one thing that can and needs to be done is just the continuation of spreading the information, making sure we call things by the right names, and just trying to attend and educate, uh, attend events organized uh, to shed light on uh, the war and also trying to share um, things with your local community so they know what to do. Having been displaced from the disputed territory of Nagorno-Karabakh at an early age, she doesn't have to imagine what so many Ukrainians are going through right now. But she wants them to know how important it is to have hope. I just want to say that the struggle for freedom is one of the most uh, noble struggles in the history of humankind and the most important thing is hope. Um, even when things don't look like they're going to get better, we have to have hope uh, because that helps us to continue existing, uh, promoting our culture, educating our children. So just don't give up, have faith and hope. Christina Lopez, a physics graduate student from the Chicago area, knew the words to the national anthem by heart. She understands the importance of bringing awareness of the invasion close to home. It's a different thing when you see that there are people around you that actually care, and I think it becomes um, it becomes something that's important to you because it's something that all of a sudden like is is within your scope when you see people that are speaking out saying that something is not right. Um, so, I mean, here, I mean, there's, aside from, like, you know, donations, the, uh, people here, there's not a lot that you can do, but I think it can help raise awareness and help people realize that, that it has such extreme implications that it's something that people should be aware about and care about. Because it will affect them sooner or later in a much more direct way. She said that this Russian-Ukrainian war is something that even U.S. citizens should pay attention to. I think if it continues to escalate, democracies in the West are going to need to 
intervene and become more involved. Uh, we've seen some of that, but I think the the level of threat this poses is something that we need to be very critically aware of. Lopez said it's important to keep up the awareness and the momentum. It will be very easy for this to be something that people care about for a short time and it goes on and, and people forget about it. Not, not letting it die, I think, is important, especially because this is not the beginning. It's been going on since 2014 and people have mostly, largely forgotten about it. And yet it's clear that you see that it, just because you forget about it doesn't go away. It continues. And so I think, yeah, supporting as much as possible friends, Ukrainian people, obviously college students, budgets are tight, but even small donations are not only important to help, but in, in, in showing support of something. So. Tatiana Ford, a native Ukrainian who moved to Bloomington just a few years ago, expressed her pain at her inability to help her family members who are now stuck in her hometown. My native town is Mykolaiv, which is destroyed right now. And I have my mother and my niece who is hiding in bomb shelter for seven days. And they tired, they exhausted. And uh, my heart breaking apart to look at the picture of my town or just what is left for me. I moved to U.S. three years ago, so it's very fresh. It's it's very hard because you're far away and they bomb all airports. We cannot get even in my country right now. And I cannot take them out of this hell. And really, I wish all world to know that Ukraine never, um, never have inside country conflict. It was all disinformation in Russian television. And we very peaceful and educated nation. And what actually is going on right now, it's just destroying of nation. And culture and cities and all infrastructure. Including TV towers, including um, energy supplies, water supplies, television, uh, everything. Military bases, even... Um, civilian airport. She thinks that Western governments should do everything they can to protect Ukraine. Truly, I think they they afraid to take part because if they take part, it will be actually the third world war, so they afraid. But I hope they wish to help us. But sanctions that they did uh, actually help a lot to destroy Russian economy. Because when people, civilian people of Russia, cannot use credit card, cannot use iPhone app, cannot, they will be cut from the world and cannot use personal money, not government money. They will go up, stand up against the war because it will destroy their routine life. She believes Russians, too, must take responsibility. I think that population of Russia is um, 145 million. If they all stand up against the war, it will work. Ford said the only hope against dictators like Vladimir Putin is the truth.
I think uh, the best help against information war is to show world the truth. We we have kids in hospital right now who don't have legs and arms. We have 16 kids dead, and I wish everybody see it and know what's going on. That this is not just question of language of Russian speaking of Ukraine because I am Russian speaking of Ukraine and I don't ask Russia come and save me. The Ukrainian Studies Organization has organized teach-ins throughout this week to educate residents on Ukrainian history and to amplify Ukrainian voices in the community. They will continue to be a beacon amidst the uncertainty. For WFHB, I'm Shadeji Shigeri. Support for the WFHB Local News is brought to you by MPI Solar, a Bloomington business specialising in solar hot water, solar electricity and solar hot air systems. MPI Solar designs and installs solar power generation systems that encourage independence and individual responsibility. For more information, you can find it online at mpisolarenergy.com. You've been listening to the WFHB Local News. Today's headlines were written by Cade Young and Noel Herhusky-Schneider in partnership with CATS, Community Access Television Services. Our feature was produced by Shade Ajishigiri. Our theme music is provided by Mark Bingham and the Social Climbers. Engineer and executive producer is Cade Young. For WFHB, I'm Lucinda Larnock. And I'm Benedict Jones. Thanks for supporting Indiana's only volunteer-powered, listener-supported, independent daily news program. You can hear tonight's full broadcast online at WFHB.org. The WFHB Local News is also available as a podcast. Just search our call letters WFHB wherever you listen to your podcasts. Subscribe to never miss another local news program. Stay tuned for Big Talk a one-on-one conversation with some of Bloomington's most fascinating people. Coming up next on WFHB. You've been listening to the WFHB Local News on WFHB Community Radio. Our news is written and reported by volunteers working to provide local news, cover local issues, and strengthen our local community. We invite you to participate. You may submit questions, comments, and story ideas to news at WFHB.org. You can become a WFHB local news volunteer by attending new volunteer orientation. Feel free to check out the WFHB local news archive at WFHB.org to find newscasts, individual stories, and catch a live feed of the WFHB local news. We are local, longer, 